the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic. With sports leagues inching closer and closer to a return, there's no better place to keep up with everything happening than The Athletic. Their newsroom delivers all access reporting, powerful stories you won't find anywhere else. Just download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of great content built just for you as a fan. There's no ads, no clickbait, just sports coverage that brings you closer to the heart of the game. Visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off your first year subscription today. Again, that's theathletic.com slash track. We're also brought to you today by Dynasty Owner. Do you think you're smarter than an NFL GM? Are you the best at fantasy football? Here is your chance to prove it. Dynasty Owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office and the business side of owning the team. Build a roster of players using actual salaries, actual contracts. Can you build a winner while staying under the salary cap? Visit DynastyOwner.com. Join a league today. Win cash prizes and compete in the chase for the ring. Tell them Track sent you. You'll get an extra bonus just for joining. Again, that's DynastyOwner.com. My name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for joining us at this Monday edition of the Track Podcast. Only one show this week. I'm hopping out of town. Quick uh, quarantine camping trip with some family members this week. And uh, we'll be back at it next week. Of, of course, baseball's coming. So <laughs> I will be home and ass in chair watching baseball. You can, you can guarantee that. We'll see. We, we don't know how long it's going to last. So whatever games they can give us to start, I'm going to be watching them for sure. But just one show this week. We're going to have Scott Allen here in a little bit to talk about some of the NFL stuff. The negotiations have begun. Is it too, a little too late? My goodness. It's, you know, we're a day away from many of these camps opening up. Rookies report today in a lot of cases. And a lot of this COVID stuff has not been figured out. This is where the Major League Baseball system was, really, after they went back and forth on the financial side of it. We're here now with the, with the NFL. What happens if things get shut down during training camp? What happens if it gets shut down late August? What happens week one? We're going to break that down with Scott Allen. We've got a whole bunch of research and, and documentation to read through on that, which is interesting for hopefully our fan base and probably not too far outside of that. So thanks for sticking with us through a lot of these numbers. It's been a weird sports year. A lot of nerdiness, a lot of legal stuff, but uh, look, it's brought us all closer to these CBAs. So if that's the overall positive takeaway we can t- we can have from this, we uh, we understand a little bit more than we did last year. That's for darn sure. And you know, changes will be made. We'll talk about that as well with Scott with this NFL CBA, which lacks a major major clause. All right, this weekend we talked a lot of baseball last week. I watched a little baseball this weekend. Um, my daughter played a little baseball this weekend, so we're, we're kind of in full swing here. Where are we with Major League Baseball? Just for a quick open here. Well, we're going to get started Thursday. It looks positive. I mean, they've, they've sort of cleaned their act up a little bit in terms of the testing. And, you know, we certainly have, I think every team has been touched by this in some degree. There's at least one, in some cases, two to three to four players who are on that undisclosed IR list right now. Um, you know, I've been hammering through these 30-man rosters as much as possible to try to keep up with it. It's very, very fluid. It's going to be a lot of work. I'm going to put that out there right now. <laughs> uh, we're going to have guys moving up and down and left and right. You know, these 30-man al- alternate teams that are going to be basically brought up and down at will. Uh, it means for essentially there's a 60-person, you know, roster at any point in time. So we'll do our best to make sure that's uh, as up-to-date on the site as possible just for quick reference anyone on the site that you see with a purple salary it's an estimate uh, you know the, a lot of the lower guys in in the double a leagues and even the triple a leagues you know those those uh, pre-arbitration salaries aren't necessarily reported so in many cases i've given them the the veteran or the actual minimum salary for the year uh prorated down to 60 games of course and for some of the veterans generally speaking those guys sign for about a million dollars with a lot of incentives built in so if you see purple that's what that means um as far as the website goes, I did take the time this past week to update every single active roster player to show the 60-game 60, the 60 prorated salary. So you'll see their original base salary. Then you'll see what, what's called our adjusted salary. That has been adjusted for the 60-game schedule. And their cash earnings have been adjusted accordingly as well. Obviously, that'll change as you know they're released. They're brought up and down to, to the minors and majors. And we'll have final cash earnings at the end of the season, whenever that may be. The adjusted salaries right now that you see on SpyTrack are showing 60-game season salaries for 2020. We've made a lot of conditionals. You know, you're, <clears throat> you're looking at 30-man active rosters versus what should be 26. So 2020 as a whole on the website is going to look a little different than every other year. 
and that's just how it's going to have to be. So we've done a little, a lot of one-off coding to, to kind of make this as understandable as possible, and we'll certainly have to keep updating that accordingly. Um, <clears throat> one last point. You're looking at payrolls on spot track for Major League Baseball teams. The payrolls are going to be adjusted for those 60 games, the cash payrolls. The tax payrolls are not, okay? So we haven't touched any of the tax salaries. Those still run off the average annual value for the most part of the total contract. And for what we know, the, the, the luxury tax threshold has not been adjusted. They're running off the full salaries for all of that. So there are four, currently four teams who are over that threshold right now, and they're going to have to do some work to either get closer to reduce that bill or get under. Um, that's the Yankees, the Astros, the Cubs, and the Dodgers. And the Phillies and the Red Sox are right on the edge there with the Mets kind of kind of tinkering there too. But, um, you know, two separate entities on the website, two separate entities in real life, cash payroll versus luxury tax allocated payroll. Um, so if you're looking for one or the other, make sure you're looking at the right tracker. We've got those on the, uh, on the tax. There's, there's actual tax payroll link and there's a team payroll link. And like I said, the team payroll has been adjusted for this shortened season. The tax payroll has not. So we're just going to keep the keep those separate but updated accordingly. And I'm sure there'll be points of discussion at some point where we dive into these tax payrolls. You know, if the Dodgers make a trade, my guess is that trade will be made to get them under the threshold. They're only one, you know, above average player traded away away from making this happen. So, you know, I expect them to be in contention. So it'll be tough to deal a player away, but it's going to be on the in their on their minds for sure. Um, and look, there's some stipulations that have been put in place that we've learned about tax payrolls and what might happen if the season stops. I'm not going to go there yet. I don't want to jinx anything. I'm not going to knock on wood at this point. I'm just going to pretend like this thing's going through October and we're going to grant ourselves a champion and then we'll, you know, push forward to an off season and hopefully what looks like a real baseball season in 2021. But there are some, some plans in place if this thing gets cut off in August or mid September and, you know, what happens to those tax payrolls? What happens to the threshold? What happens to the teams that are over the tax threshold right now? So I'm not going to talk about that yet. Just understand that there are you can, you can go and find those kind of things if you want to. I'm not going to discuss them at length here just yet. But that's how the site is kind of operating for baseball as it gets in there. Um, you know, when you go and look at players' career earnings right now, uh, not many bumped up. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I mean, your Pete Alonzo of the world are down in the 200 and ten thousand dollars to be earned this year that's kind of where you know 60 percent of the league is in the, in the 200s somewhere and uh it certainly goes up from there but not as high as you might think everybody's taking a massive hit that's for darn sure but uh we're gonna get some baseball boy those yankees look good boy those dodgers look good other than that it's gonna be just a wild race <laughs> it's a it's a sprint not a marathon i'm looking forward to it you know, six days off for many of these teams is really all you're going to get. So there's going to be a ton of baseball around you every night, every week. Um, and if you love it as much as I do, or even maybe just a little bit, and you're looking to get back into it, this is going to be the year to do it because you're going to be able to really follow along closely. And there's really no distraction, <laughs> you know? Yes, the other sports are opening up, and there's going to be plenty of other things to watch. But what I'm talking about is there's no fans. It's really just baseball. There's no minutiae. I mean, there's some sponsorships, obviously, all around the field. And the broadcasters will do their best. But this is just going to be about the game itself. So if you're trying to get back into this thing, I expect the games to be longer, unfortunately. So that's probably going against everything I just mentioned there. Because, look, you're going to have starting pitchers who aren't going to be able to go eight innings for the most part. You're going to, you have 16, 17 pitchers on this active roster right now for the most part. You're going to use them. You're going to use them. Now, that three-inning rule, that three inning rule does come into play here. So if you start an inning as a relief pitcher or as a pitcher at all, you've got to you've got to face three batters. So you can't just come in and face one batter and then get out and bring somebody else in for the second batter. That's gone. So there, there's a little bit of a restriction in terms of how my, how many pitching changes can be made, but they're going to find their ways. I promise. If that means you know there's a there's a first inning guy and a second inning guy and the starter comes in in the third and goes third to eighth, I have no idea. You know the the Rays and some of those other teams that have experimented with this stuff before. This is the year where they may throw everything at us because really what's stopping them from doing it? Every, everything's different, so why not be as different as possible? But we're going to get started Thursday. I've got what I think is a decent iteration of 30-man rosters available for you, uh, full financials, full positionals, things like that. All that's been updated. Obviously, like I said, it's fluid, and I will uh, 
I'll be cracking out as much as possible tomorrow morning. And then while I'm on my little camping trip, I'll, you know, try to find, try to find a couple of bars and uh, make sure any, any major changes, you know, opt outs, obviously anyone hitting the COVID list, that kind of stuff gets updated as much as possible. But bear with us. It's going to be a, a transaction transaction filled season for a lot of these leagues. I expect the NFL to be much of the same as they get off the ground here. And we're going to talk about that with Scott Allen in just a little bit here. Have you ever wanted to take a shot at a $12,000 Michael Jordan rookie card or a $1,600 autographed Tom Brady helmet, Patriots or Bucks, for a fraction of the price? Hit Parade is the premier authentic autographed sports memorabilia mystery box manufacturer in the United States. Take a shot at getting the autographed items from the biggest names in all of sports. Mike Trout, Michael Jordan, Zion Williamson, Tom Brady, and plenty more. Get your box today at Hit Parade's exclusive online provider, dacardworld.com. That's www.dacardworld.com. No one has more hits than Hit Parade. And we're happy to be joined now to our Hit Parade hotline by Scott Allen. Scott, happy Monday. Hope it was a good weekend. Lots to get to here. A lot of nerdy numbers. Here's what I want to start with in terms of this NFL, NFLPA negotiation stuff, which is in full steam here. Obviously, camps are opening this week. I want to start with the NFLPA stuff. So last week, I think early last week, yeah, the 14th, about a week ago, the NFLPA basically presented a memo to the league saying, here's our demands, except I don't know if you've read the same things I've read. They weren't exactly very thorough demands. They were sort of outline bullet points of these are the areas we need to cover. And they were deferring to the league to basically fill in a lot of the blanks. Is that the kind of the, uh, the impression you got as well? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. And that's probably why a lot of the players have been, <laughs> you know, they're tweeting, tweeting storm yesterday uh, it, with Monday coming about here because there, there are a lot of vague issues yeah. that need to be figured out. Well, I, I, I like the framework that the NFLPA built. I, I like what they put out there and maybe they just didn't feel like it was their job to fill in the blanks and, and they were going to let the league do it. Um, the league responded a while ago with, you know, who might be at high risk just to kind of get ready for this opt out, uh, opt out conversation. And then they threw that, that, kind of bomb at him basically saying we got to we got to pull 35 percent of your salaries out into escrow which that wasn't that was a disaster i haven't heard anything about that since i i imagine that's being rolled into this plan to some degree and if you, if you know any more please jump jump in here but um basically the you know the four to five bullet points that the that the players put out are at-risk players can obviously opt out and get paid um and they're talking really just base salary they understand that any of those per game bonuses and things like that are not going to happen. Um, they want the ability to, for you to opt out with family risk and at least get your benefit and your accrued season. To me, that that's probably going to be a, a, a contention point. What, what are your thoughts there? I know baseball kind of had something like that too, because the, the service here obviously means a lot in major league baseball. I haven't heard much about that one. The opt out as a whole, is really being ironed out here. Where are you on NFL players being able to opt out here and with pay? You know, I, I see what they're trying to do. The one thing that I, in reading this is none of this has talked about the cap. It's all about the (laughs) cash that's going to be paid. So that is one thing out of all these articles that I've read is nothing has talked about wh- how these players, if they do opt out, are they going to affect the cap? Where are they going to go? I know I, there some of the stuff that I was ta- uh, reading was they're not sure where um, if they're going to put them, if it's on the NFI or if they're going to make a new uh, list for these players so that they can be on and off it. Mm-hmm. But as far as the, you know, the opt out with the cash. I mean, with the at risk that you mentioned, I think this bullet point is in here because of what has happened with the WNBA mm-hmm. um, in the at risk for um, uh, Deladon for the Washington Mystics. I mean, I, I think they're trying to cover their bases based on what has already happened. Um, I, I get that bonuses wouldn't be in there because I mean, they can't earn them. Um, but the bullet points that are listed out, they're trying to cover what they can without being too specific from what I'm understanding here. There's another bullet point here, which 
I'm not sure we've seen this in the other sports, at least not as blatantly as it is laid out here. But I understand why it's here with the NFL, it being such a close contact sport. An opt-out clause for players who leave the team after initially reporting. Um, This one really intrigues me (laughs) because there's there's an kind of like an ethical thing going on here versus just logical common sense, right? Like if you go and then you quit, essentially quit, because what you're seeing in terms of the process or the the safety mechanisms just aren't enough for you, that player is going to get some backlash. There's no way around mm-hmm. it. There's no way around it. I mean, it's a social media world and <laughs> social media is full of bullies. So there's going to be that, but the league has to be ready for this. I mean, if you're a high-paid player and you get to camp and it looks like garbage, why would you play? Why, why would you play, right? I, yeah. I, I don't understand. I, I'm still waiting for it. I'm, st- I'm still not positive Mike Trout's playing baseball this year. I, I just don't see the value in him doing it. I really don't. I, 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 only, I think the only reason the guy's playing is because he understands how important it is to Major League Baseball that he plays. But I think he's dying not to play. And... You know, somebody like Aaron Rodgers, I, I could see him two days after camp starts just bailing the F out because it's just not worth his, you know, the, the, the next four years of his career to try to expedite 2020 in a way that's just not, you know, logical. There's, yeah, there's I, two I sides think, to it, but I, I mean, where do you fall? This? Well, I, I think what the NFL is doing is by giving this, uh, what minimum of $250,000 yeah. stipend is going towards the masses of the guys of that are 53 to 90 on the roster to try to make sure those guys are at least going to be in uh, at the camps and potentially on the roster so that they have players that are going to uh, be able to play these games. They're, they're trying to fail safe all right if our top guys leave at least these guys were saying we're going to pay them this amount of money and it might be enough to say for those players i'm going to play for that amount of money because i'm not going to get that otherwise scott it's not a mistake that the negotiation terms that the league presented to the players association looks eerily similar to the cba ones they're, they're going after the same audience that they did for the CBA. And, mm-hmm. oh, by the way, who are, the, who are the players, the veteran players, coming out against the CBA? J.J. Watt, Aaron Rodgers. It's the same exact situation six months later. And, it, yep. and it, it's got merit. I see it on both sides of it. I see what the league's doing. They want to play football. They want to make their TV revenue. And you're right. There are 40 players who are probably going to get cut from the roster in a couple of weeks who would take a $250,000 stipend tomorrow if, if, you gave, if you offered it to them. You're right. They're playing to the, to the numbers. They're not playing to their stars right now, which is the point I'm making with Mike Trout. <laughs> it's, and I'll even go this farther. I'm sure you saw what Trevor Lawrence did this weekend. Did you see what he did in Clemson? No, he, I didn't he actually. He proposed to his girlfriend in the middle of the Clemson football field. Now, you asked me mm-hmm. why, that, why that player did it July 18th and not dis- January 5th. Why? He's he doesn't plan on playing football. Played. He's not playing football no, this year, man. It, nope. he, he's probably not playing if there's fall football. He's definitely not playing if there's spring football. That's a move right mm-hmm. there that says, I'm done at Clemson, and I'm going to give me, yep. here's my exit strategy. It, it's happening, all right? These superstars have no reason to do this right now, and it is money. It's because they've already been paid so well, they can walk away for a year, and we will walk them back. You know, they're going to get killed all year, all, all winter, on the social media, on, you know, on, on the Twitters, but guess what? Next March, when everything gets back to normal, knock on wood, the Packers would love to have Aaron Rodgers back. Maybe, maybe that's a bad example, but the, uh, you know, JJ Watt will be walking back to Houston. If he opts out, I I just think we're in for that. We're in for a situation where there's going to be uh, a trial and error period here where these guys show up to camp or show up to the facilities they see what it's going to be like. They see that testing's over every four days and not every day. You know, they're, they're just here to have to wear these fobs. They're essentially going to be yes, tracked every minute of the day, which yep. it's fine. But, man, I, I know there's probably a large population of people who are dying at that right now. <laughs> I, I, I literally being not only you, tracked at what you do, but who's around you. I mean, that is 
I mean, well, spoiler alert, this- spoiler alert, by the way, our phones are already doing that. So if you, <laughs> if you hate that, throw your phone in the garbage can. <laughs> well, and what, what, one of the things that they talked about has been that they're not going to mandate players to yeah. be in the team hotel. They could still go home. So you still have that effect where you have family members that may be coming and going. Yeah. And it sounds like kids going to school. That's a whole nother conversation, but yeah. <laughs> right. But they're, 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 they're the anti-bubble yeah. from what we see with basketball and soccer. And I guess that's know, what I'm saying, Scott, it, it, it isn't the bubble. And when some of these high play players get there and see everything that's going to work, see how this workflow lays out, it's going to be a tough decision. I think well, football is going to be the last part of this process. <laughs> and if the testing yeah. is as bad as it is with baseball right now and how delayed things are and how things are all over the place, you know, you, those players are quickly going to be to Twitter and wherever else and yeah. um, cause an uproar with that. Um, so, all right. I, Let's assume everybody shows up because that's easier for this conversation. Mike, yeah, Mike right. Florio's got a phenomenal breakdown on pro football talk of really how this money should work. At least this is what's been proposed by the league. Um, but it, it starts with a very interesting converse, uh, paragraph here, the stanza, that first stanza, which I know surprised you when I told you about this. The NFL CBA does not have a force majeure clause. And I know that that's a term that you have learned way too much about over the past couple of months because of the NBA. And look, at we're not even we're not clear of that. At all. I mean, there's still a situation where that could come into play if this season blows up in the next four, you know, three, four weeks and everything has to break back down. I mean, I know they've done a ton of work to get where they are, but we're not even close to at a point where they can call this a season and players have to be paid accordingly. Essentially, look, everybody's doing all these workouts right now. Nobody's ever worked, earned a workout bonus more than 2020. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I mean, you're having to scrounge together your own workouts, and now your workouts essentially are putting you in, in danger, in health danger. So uh, the force majeure not being there, Scott, what does that mean for the NFL? <laughs> it means they can't opt out of that CBA at all. If, if they have to cancel the entire season, uh, it's – they're, they're locked in no matter what NBA. The contention was if there was no season, the NBA itself could rip up that CBA and essentially start over. Bingo. And if NFL cannot do that now, that's my initial taking too, is that the players get power here. The players have power because the league can't just rip it up and say, this is how we're going to do it. Okay. I mean, even to some degree, that's what happened with baseball, right? They negotiated for four months on Twitter. And then Rob, at the end of the day, Rob Manford just said, well, we're going back to, to my original situation. Here's what we're doing. It's all on me. He was the dictator in that entire process. The NFL can't do that. And can you believe that? Can you believe of all leagues that the NFL doesn't have the final say in their CBA? Yeah. I can't believe they missed this. This is crazy. This is bonkers to me. The, the players have power. And that's why I think the players open with that initial offer, the bullet points we laid out so weakly, because they know that whatever the league comes back with, they're going to be, have to be able to say yes or no, up or down, because at the end of the day, if this thing blows up, the league loses so much money. Did, did they miss it or did they purposefully not put it in because they wanted the CBA to be signed before all this went down? Because we saw how fast oh, all yeah. this went down when things were shutting down. So it probably was a contention that they gave up with the, the Players Association saying, all right, we won't put this in. We want to get this signed right away instead of them just forgetting that it in the in the CBA. So. I know it could come back to bite them for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. But here, Rudy, Rudy Gobert test positive March 11th. Sports essentially shuts down March 12th. The CBA was signed March 15th, three days later. So you're telling me that the shutting down of sports with a pandemic <laughs> forced the NFL to say, we got to get this thing done without a force majeure. That's crazy. That's bonk. That's completely backwards. They missed it. They missed yeah. it, Scott. They missed the chance to, to p- be able to put their stamp on everything that happens over the next couple of years. And, and look, of all the sports, I'm least confident with the NFL getting done, even getting going in terms of week one. So I think it's a miss. I think they got scared into this. They were, like you said, they were 
marketing to the masses. The superstars really had no say at the end of this. They had very little power in this. This thing got ratified in three days. Uh, you know, there was plenty of back and forth for those couple of days, but everybody we follow, the Andrew Brandt's of the world, hated it. <laughs> they hated the mm-hmm. speed of it. They hated the language that was being written to it. Nobody was talking about this yet because that word was not really part of our conversation yet until the NBA brought it in about a week later and some of those lawyers stepped, in, stepped up and say, hey, if this thing goes long, this thing might get ripped up and start, and we have to start over. Well, I bet you the NFL <laughs> went back to their boardroom and said, hey, we got this, right? No, we missed that. It's a mess. Well, it gives players it- power. And they did a 10 year deal, whereas the NHL, they just re-upped, but it was only for four years. So at least it's not a long term locked in. They've at yeah. least allow them to bypass a few years here with um, the effects. But I just quickly looked up the uh, CBA here mm-hmm. and I searched force majeure just to see if it was mentioned at all in the CBA. It's mentioned once. OK. And it's regarding regular seasons played outside of the United States. And so it just says through the 2025 season, no more than 10 regular season international games will be played each season unless the club is displaced from its existing stadium due to damage, other force majeure events, construction or renovation. It's the only (laughs) thing that is said at all about force majeure. And it's about international games. (laughs) Wow. So. Well, it's a miss. It's a miss. It is a miss. You're right. It is a miss. All right. Let's move on from that. That's that's enough slamming the NFL here. Let's get to the actual numbers. Try to break down these scenarios as much as possible over the radio here to let you know might be difficult. Um, Any questions, visit us at SpotTrek on Twitter, and we'll try to get those answered. Again, this is from Mike Florio's piece on Pro Football Talk. It's a really nice breakdown. I have no idea if this is going to get approved, how much of this is going to hold weight, but we're getting, I mean, camp's essentially open for a lot of these teams. I know there's some a little bit of delay on some of these because some of these states are really just a mess and uh, players are having difficulty getting to the facilities, things like that. But for all, for all intents and purposes, this is the week that training camp opens and we've got some scenarios built in based on that. So Scott, why don't you lay it out here? Um, what do we know about if camp doesn't happen? Let's say, let's get there because look, there's some states where this could be possible where camp just ab- absolutely shuts down. What happens in terms of pay then? Uh, so we've got uh, 25,000 or sorry, yeah, 250,000 stipend uh, for any of the players that are um, before the season's canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, if any players had already been paid, there are no more further payments to those players. Um, yeah, so th- this is a big part of this entire plan. Everything's offset. Any any kind of stipend that's put out there is an offset stipend. So, for instance, if you're Joe Burrow and I mean he hasn't signed yet, who who signed? Uh, so Jalen Rieger just signed today with the Philadelphia Eagles. He got himself a nice big signing bonus. He's not getting any stipend money because in terms of 2020 cash, he's been paid. He's got his bonus. It's done. Many veteran players have their workout bonuses that already paid. They're not getting any additional money, no matter what happens, whether they whether they get through training camp, whether we get to week one. After week one, there's some different rules set in place, of course. But yeah, that's basically it, Scott. There's a there's a max 250 stipend, but it's offset to anything else you've been paid in 2020 already. Um, here's what's interesting. Yeah, so so yeah, if if a guy say one of those late seventh rounders, they had a fifty thousand dollar signing bonus that comes out of that 250, mm-hmm. so they would only be allowed to get up to the 200 thousand extra, correct? Yeah, yep. it's a max 250 stipend, and it's offset by anything else you've been paid. Exactly. So um, let's say we get through camps, uh, we're heading towards roster cuts. Let's say we get through roster cuts. Let's push past that scenario. Okay, so we're down to mm-hmm. 53 man rosters, and practice squads are set. Remember, it's a it's a it's plus two on practice squads, and those two, there's two players that can be essentially moved up and down every week as two additional fifty. It's essentially a fifty-five man roster on game day, so that's a little bit different this year. Boy, is it a good year to do that, by the way. Um, anyone on the practice squad, if the season is canceled, if we don't get to week one, all right, if you made the practice squad out of camp after final cuts. You're eligible for a $100,000 stipend. Same rules apply. If you're an undrafted free agent and you got yourself a $10,000 signing bonus this year, you're eligible for $90,000 more. If you made the, the active 53 or you're hitting one of those reserve lists, the pup list or something like that, you can get your $250,000 still, but again, offset with any other payments. Once we get to week one, it gets really, 
<laughs> we're going to have a lot of work to do. Let's put it that way, Scott. There's going to be a lot of prorated money getting thrown around mm-hmm. here. And uh, we got to keep track of the per game bonuses and all this fun stuff really on a, on a weekly basis because the second, you know, knock on wood, that things have to shut down, everybody's earnings take a hit and pause. The, in terms of those per-game per active bonuses and incentives, like for you know touchdowns, things like that, you got to get through eight weeks. If we can get eight regular season games, then those bonuses all become prorated. So, so if we end up with 12 games, you know, if you had to get 10 touchdowns in a 16-game season, it, it's prorated down to whatever 12 games would have been for that. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah, I do. I, I'm interested to see how they're going to uh, do these incentives if it's going to be strictly based on hard numbers like 12 sacks uh over 16 games and then prorate it based on that or if they're going to allow the percentage incentives that they have because i know in the nba they did not allow percentages to be prorated whatever your percentage was at the end of the season that's what it was and if you made the incentive uh then you were likely to be earned and if not if it was a hard uh say 300 three-pointers made that was prorated based on 82 down to however many games that were left so i'm interested to see what the nfl is going to do with that scott did they convert the 300 three-pointers to, to percentages or did they tr- did they just prorate it down to a new number a fixed number they, yeah they prorated it down to a new number so if okay. it's 300 if 300 was out of 82 games then they would convert that down to if there was only they played through say 60 games 70 game it would be moved down to what that was and then they would determine if it was uh, a made incentive or not so uh, but anything that was percentage based was set as is so my understanding based on florio's piece and a couple of other things i've read is that there's not going to be any conversion of percentages the league's trying to save money here so if 12 games are played and you had a per game active bonus, you're getting 12 per game active bonuses. You're not going to get the full 16, even though you played 100% of the games available. They're not paying those last four weeks out, essentially, um, which I guess that's a small concession, small price to pay. The same thing is going to happen with your base salary, by the way. So if your base salary is $1 million for 16 games and you only play 12, you're getting 12 sixteenths of that salary. That's just how it's going to well, work. I guess I'm saying if there's an incentive that a quarterback throws 70% uh, completion, yep. is is it st- stuck at 70%? Well, that's a bad example because that- that's, that's a fixed percentage. But, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, snaps, for instance. If you've got to right. play yeah. 500 snaps versus 85% of your team's snaps, right. To me, those should be allowed to be converted. They just should. And, and if you're an agent <laughs> – Use percentages, people. All right, we're in a situation where fixed numbers just don't work anymore. You know why they do it, Scott? They do it because of uh, likely to be earned versus not likely to be earned. They need, they need to be able to tie a, a, a future incentive to a, a past incentive to make sure that it doesn't hit against the cap for that team. That's just really the, uh, the behind the scenes there. But that could still happen with percentage if teams just built everything based on percentages like you're talking about. I think it's, a, it's definitely a takeaway that agents and teams should compromise on going forward because look at we can't guarantee hundred percent of our games anymore. We can't, if this is just one example of this happening, but who knows, let's just, let's just pandemic proof everything we can we can do here. And this is one way to do it. All incentives and things like that should be percentage based, including those per gamers, including those, those per gamers already stink for players. So at least give them that out, you know, hundred percent of the games equals hundred percent of the pay. That's just how it should work. But that's not going to yeah, be the should. case for 2020. And you're right. I imagine from what I'm reading here that it's just going to be, you know, 16 sacks over 16 games is down to 12 if there's only 12 games. Um, that's likely what we're going to see with these bonuses. But again, I, sh- I should make this clear. We got to get to eight games for any of this. to take. If, if we only play seven games, you're not getting any of your bonuses. There's no prorated version of seven, a seven game incentive payout here. So that's a big part of this. And so the league's going to do you know, everything it can. And from a player standpoint, I should say to get to that eighth game so that we can get through half, the, half the season and lock in some of these bonuses. Uh, what else here? What else did you take away that was positive, negative? What, what do you think about this whole kind of plan here? Well, I, one of the things I caught that was interesting and it's for only a few people probably, but suspensions. Um, yeah. if, if they're in the middle of a suspension and the season is canceled, those games, uh, 
uh, are not carried that are missed are not carried over. So essentially, if the season's canceled, then they're null and void, and they'll be able to play when things kick in again. So I found that kind of interesting because I think off the top of my head there was a a player or two who had to finish off a, a suspension or something. Maybe I'm missing that, but I, I think that's interesting, especially mm-hmm. if someone gets hit at the beginning of the season yeah. with a PED or something, you know? Um, so I found that interesting. And then um, from what it sounds like, as far as the cap is concerned, they want to try to keep the 2021 cap stable. <sighs> I've heard, I've heard otherwise. If you want to go down otherwise. that rabbit hole, the league itself, the, were you mentioning the league or the players there? The players have been adamant about what we've been talking about, Scott. We've got nine years left in the CBA. Let's take our time and take these losses over the rest of the CBA, you know, gradually so that we don't have to impact ourselves at any point in time super big. The NFL basically came back and said, no, no, no. We're taking this hit in 2020 and in 2021. And if that means the cap dumps out next year, so be it. I can't imagine they really believe that. Can you imagine if the cap drops to $125 million next year? Can you imagine? I mean, we've got players who are a third of that right now in terms of cap hits. You would have to cut. You would have to release your quarterbacks out of their contracts, many of Mm -hmm. them, just to fit the rest of the roster in. It's it's stupid. So I know that it's it's a sexy headline right now to say the cap's going to drop $70 million. To me, we got to stop at that. Let's not even put it in people's minds because it's a horrible idea. Yeah, it was the player. It was the players. I looked up where I read it. It was the players that are requesting that no reduction in the 2021 salary cap, which makes sense. I mean, we've talked about that with the NBA um, and even in the NHL. I mean, all all these capped leagues, you don't want to have that drastic drop because it's going to be a domino effect of, like you said, you're going to have to release quarterbacks and all that in the NBA. If the the cap drops, then you have almost no free agency where you can really sign with cap space Mm -hmm. and the movement is almost non-existent. Uh, So it's just bad all around. I mean, last thing that Scott, if they real quick, if they, if they do dump the cap out 60, $70 million, they're going to have to have an amnesty clause. You're going to, you're going to have to be able to say whatever our top cap is, it can be, you know, it won't count against your, your league cap hit, but that's just going to open up loopholes, right? I mean, you're yeah, going to have is. people I mean, restructuring kickers into $19 million salary caps as their top cap hit now, just to make now, it when work. You, when you when you mentioned amnesty clause, are you referring to like the old NBA amnesty yeah. clause where you can waive one player and that cap won't count? Or are you saying... Either Make or it it's either a an, guy an act, on the roster. Yeah, it's either an active franchise amnesty or it's a remove the dead cap amnesty, which holy cow, would that be something? Well, I think it, listening to Hembo last week, I think he brought up one of Greeny's ideas of not even counting the quarterback. That would help a lot in, in some instances. I mean, with Mahomes going forward and some of these guys with the high cap hits, I mean it's a thought, but can they even do any of that? Would they have to do an amendment to this new CBA um, because they've already signed it? Can they, can they do that? Can they add new amendments to that to not this big? I mean, that that, that's such a big change. That's what I mean. They're not dumping the cap 70 million next year. They're not doing it. There'll be too much backlash. You've got too much time. There's too much money coming in whenever this thing gets healthy again that you just don't need to do that. That's just reckless business. You, you shouldn't have to do that. So I know that's being floated out there and it's a sexy headline to click on, but it's just, it just makes no sense to do that to your entire organization next year and have so many teams have to backtrack on contracts that have already been signed. And you're right. Most of them are quarterbacks and who's more important than the quarterback. So why would you screw with your most important players in the league right now? Right. You want to piss off Aaron Rodgers even more? My goodness. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. Um, all right, what else you got? One more, one the, more point there? Yeah. Yeah, one more point, and I sort of said it off the top, uh, was how are they going to treat these COVID-19 positive test players? What, uh, where are they going to put them? Are they going to consider them as they're not really injured reserve, but are they going to go on the NFI list or you know reserve or active? It's going to make a difference because one or the other, there's certain stipulations where I believe the reserve 
uh, NFI, if they're on that, they can't come back and play at all. Whereas if they're active, they can come back. So do they treat them as that? And then, you know, if a player does test positive for say two or three weeks, does that amount that they're off the quote unquote active roster still count against the cap? Or are they going to get a reprieve of not counting against the cap? And then do, are they able to sign a quote unquote substitute player for two or three weeks to fill out the roster? I, I'm just trying to think of how the NBA is handling theirs with their substitute players. So some of these are obviously probably questions that they're trying to figure out right now. But those are things that I thought of. Okay, I got some answers for you on this. So they, they really have changed or adjusted the injured reserve list policy or the injured list policy for 2020 to kind of at least initially prepare for this. So it sounds like anyone who tests positive, whether that's in the facility or at home, because that's part of it, mm-hmm. they'll go on the commissioner's exempt list and they can stay there. There's no maximum. There's no minimum. It's just like a floating list. It's kind of where you go if you're in purgatory. <laughs> for one reason right. or another. Yeah. Um, Peterson was there. Yeah. For not, cool. for not being sick. Um, right. So they go there, they're paid in full. No questions asked. They're paid in full and they can return. They get a one week resumption after exemption after that. So for instance, once they're healthy, you know, if somebody on the Arizona Cardinals is on the COVID list in the exemption, the, the they can keep them off of their active roster for an additional week after that to kind of slow play the process Mm -hmm. and to keep another player on the roster. So that 53 won't get affected until a week after as sort of like a gradual transition process. So that's actually, that seems to be hashed out, but we'll see how many players, unfortunately that includes. And if it gets to a point where they can't manage that anymore and that there's just not enough roster spots. So we'll see what happens there, but it sounds like while they're on that exempt list, do they count against the cap or does that not count? They, I believe exemptions do. I believe they do. Um, I will verify that. But if I'm remembering correctly with a couple of other situations we had, they count. Um, So that'll be something to think about. I mean, if one of your high profile guys goes, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe maybe there's a situation where that's not going to be the case because you can't have a guy like Jared Goff at $31 million on your, you know, sitting on your exempt list and then try to fill him in with even, even a minimum salary is going to be hard to do at that point if you're right up against it. So my guess is that there's going to be some stipulations that that won't be the case, but mm-hmm. they will be paid in full. So there's really there's no non-football versus you know illness versus actual injuries. That that debate's been settled. We'll see though. We'll see if this all gets hashed out. So all right, yeah, good stuff there. Anything else that jumped off the page for you? I, I want to finish with the uh, the actual opt-out process. It, so the deadline to actually opt out prior to the season is August first, five p.m. Eastern. Anyone who opts out, their contract will toll into 2021. So it doesn't go away. It's not canceled. You're not losing your money. You are just going to be pushed into 2021 with your current salary and your current, uh, you know, credited seasons. You're not going to gain a season. Again, this is for non-high-risk opt-outs. If you're a high-risk opt-out, you're going to get paid and you're going to get an accredited season. We, we still, there's still some gray area on if you're opting out for family reasons, whether or not those two things will be the case. But if you're just opting out because you don't feel like it's in your best interest to play football this year, your contract will toll. You will not accrue a season. You can pull $150,000 from 2021 salary if you are under contract. So you can pull forward and at least give yourself some, you know, a good chunk of change to spend for the rest of 2021. Here's an interesting one. Your contract cannot be touched. Can't be extended. Can't be restructured. You are essentially put in the corner and unable to be dealt with until January, until the regular season finishes, hopefully on time. Um, any thoughts there? Are they missing anything? I know you've had a lot of experience with this, with the NBA stuff. So what do you think there? Uh, that last point you made is very interesting for some players that, you know, want a contract extension. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they, if they're opting out, and they wanted to essentially extend or, you know, they were going to hold out in the upcoming season. I mean, that's an interesting aspect because some of those high player, high profile players, I mean, the one player that is mentioned in Florio's article is Dalvin cook. Sure. Uh, so, I mean, that's an interesting thing. And the other 
point to note that I had read was as soon as they opt out, um, they cannot come back. So there is no right. wishy-washy, I'm going to opt out, but then, yeah, I'm actually going to come back. As soon as they say that they're out and they formally say that, uh, they're they're done for the season at that point. So I, that's an interesting uh, point as well. Here's what I'm worried about. We, we kind of mentioned, and I, I, I tried to say it loudly enough to, 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 <laughs> to kind of preface this and foreshadow this. What happens if it's week nine, week eight has now finished, half the season's done, so essentially the season has vested for <laughs> all intents, right? Based, based on everything we just said, after week eight, after eight regular season games, a lot of this stuff will vest. Um, what happens if I'm Christian McCaffrey? And I'm the worst team in football. Week nine. <laughs> Am I done? You may see a lot of players do that. Is it going to be like the college football players who don't report to bowl games, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sa- save themselves for the next season. Uh, yeah. It, because I don't see any language it. about that. I see What I see is if they test positive or whatever, then certainly, you know, or any injury, they can certainly get a prorated version of what they've already been paid. Would that still be the case for Christian McCaffrey if he quits in week nine? If he says, I'm done, this, is, this isn't safe for me anymore? I mean, you can say all the right things to make, make the lawyers happy. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you could. Um, does, yeah. Would, would he get eight weeks of base pay plus a gigantic signing bonus he's already earned, which they can't touch, plus per gamers and all that stuff, workout bonuses? Can he essentially maximize... His off, you know, his off the field pay get get half of his on the field pay and then bail out week nine. I'm worried we're going to have 15 to 20 players that do that. Yeah, I I could absolutely see that. And a point that you just mentioned, we we may see in future contracts here where mm-hmm. maybe we'll see more larger signing bonuses and all the bases are the minimums, and so that in the event that during the season you lose some of that money it's only a percentage of that minimum salary and not a $10 million base. Right. Uh, so you may, you may see more of negotiations in that aspect, you know, prepping forward. There's a lot of reasons uh, not to have a high base salary. There's a lot of reasons to push money into other, other bonuses. That's for darn sure. I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes contract. If you're looking for that kind of situation, he has done it right going forward. I promise you that. Okay. That's enough of uh, the nerdy stuff here, but this is actually pretty good stuff. I mean, Florida did a great job. A lot of these guys are out there doing this thing right now and trying to get the nego- negotiations out there to the public. It sounds like the league is going to make some action today. It's Monday, July 20th. Um, there's a, probably some back and forth happening as we speak right now. We'll see if that gets us anywhere tomorrow. And, uh, you know, like I said, only one show this week, so we'll try to k- recap all of this next week. Hopefully there's some progress, and we'll have baseball to talk about as well. One final thing, Scott. Go ahead. You got a point? I was just to say, breaking news, Jalen Hurts signs with the no, Eagles. I'll get there. Agreement. More work for me to do. More work for me to yeah. do. Yeah, the Eagles appear to be signing everybody today. I put in three or four of their rookies. It sounds like they're going to do the yeah. whole class. And by the way, it's time. There's a lot of rookies that have not signed their contracts. So as camps open up here, deadlines will spur those. So expect to see a lot of these draft picks signing their contracts. You can visit spotrack.com slash NFL slash draft for all of those contracts as they sign. Here's my final point, Scott. I'm, I'm in Buffalo, New York right now. You're originally from Buffalo, New York. Buffalo is making big, big news right now because mm-hmm. Canada has kicked the Blue Jays out. <laughs> Canada has officially said the Blue Jays cannot play baseball in Toronto because we don't want people coming in and out of the country. It's a totally logical explanation. It's a totally logical statement that they're taking. Um, but, the, you know, we're three days from... Uh, the second regular season actually starting here and the Blue Jays have zero home. I've heard every single radio and TV show come on on the air today and say, well, you can't be playing in Buffalo because it's Buffalo and you can't play baseball in September and October. So I'm bringing some (laughs) nerdy facts to you to finish this podcast on a Monday afternoon. All right. Here's what, here's what Buffalo has looked like in September, the past five years, the average salary has been, Salary, listen to me. The average temperature has been 66 degrees in September. Not only is it great, it's extremely comfortable in September in Buffalo. It's a great time to play baseball in Buffalo. It is. Now, there's a little bit of weather, all right? And I'm not talking snow, I'm talking rain. 
You get mm-hmm. some, you get about four inches of rain on average per, per September over the past five. October, everything's a little bit worse, but not even close to unplayable. And oh, by the way, if the Blue Jays are playing in October, put some long sleeves on and play baseball because something went really right over the next three months because nobody expects them to leapfrog anybody in that AL East right now, even though they're an up-and-coming young team. October numbers in Buffalo, 53 degrees, 4.6 inches of weather. It's just a little bit worse in September. Totally playable baseball weather. So Absolutely. Buffalo may not be the best option because the field isn't, you know, major league ready. It's plenty big. It's plenty gorgeous. It's one of the better looking AAA f- fields in all of the United States. Anybody who's been there can attest to that. But look at the, like, the facilities. You know, they're, they're not exactly major league baseball, you know, up to snuff here. So I'm sure the Blue Jays pe- people have walked through those doors and said, oh, well, uh, you know, the lights don't work over here and the vending machines <laughs> and, you know, things that might happen in, uh, in a regular triple A season that's been canceled, by the way. So, of course, they're not upkeeping it. But like New York State, the, the knock on wood, the cases are completely under control right now. Buffalo is a great candidate and weather is absolutely not a factor is my point in saying this. I don't think it's going to be the plan A. I think it's probably the fallback plan. Sounds like, you know, Baltimore or Pittsburgh, one of those major league facilities, maybe even Florida, but that seems crazy to me would be a better option for Toronto from their perspective. But if, if Buffalo is your plan B, it's going to be an adjustment, but it's not going to be the worst thing in the world. That's my, that's my finishing point. Yeah. here. No, I, I completely agree with that. And you know, some of those players are familiar with that facility because they had to play many of them rehab ball or, you know, Guerrero was there. And, yeah. you know, some of these guys have been in Buffalo already to know what the facility is like. So, you know, and if you're pissed if off about the Buffalo to... nightlife and you can't go out and have fun because <laughs> Buffalo's not a fun city, guess what? You're not allowed to, right? right. You're not allowed to. And if, if you want to play baseball, then you're going to suck it up and you're going to play baseball at a facility that you have to play in. I mean, <laughs> come on. Just play ball, all right? Just play yes. ball. My yes. goodness. We're starting Thursday. I can't wait for it. I'll be uh, streaming Me live too. from the campsite. So, Scott, good stuff. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off. My thanks to Dynasty Owner. Check out DynastyOwner.com. Get yourself a team as fantasy football ramps up. Plenty of time for that still. And my thanks to Hit Parade. Get your mystery memorabilia box today. Get yourself a nice signed baseball jersey, something like that. Visit DACardWorld.com. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.